Hey, I want to welcome you to this edition of the Galley Podcast. Joey, your host here. In today's episode, we're going to uh, continue a series we began last week called Women and Ministry. Uh, and really, oh, the purpose of this series is to really highlight the impact and the importance of women in the kingdom. Last week, we were joined by Melissa Young, a, a missionary to Haiti, this is someone we support. This week, I'm very excited. I'm going to be joined by a friend of mine, Miss Charlie McGuire. Uh, her husband, uh, Mike, and her, they serve at the Fountain Church. Uh, Mike and I served together at New Community uh, uh, before I came here to Galilee. That's where we met each other. And I'm very excited to spend a few moments just talking with Charla about being a pastor's wife. And then also we're going to talk a little bit about what uh, about a ministry that she's involved in called For the Love. So I want to invite you to grab a cup of coffee, get something to drink, and make sure that you stick around. Hey, everybody. I want to thank you for uh, joining me for another week of the Galley Podcast. Today, um, we're continuing a new series that we're doing called Women in Ministry, and I'm very excited to be joined by my friend, Miss Charlotte McGuire. She is uh, uh, coming to hang out with me for a little bit. We're going to have a conversation. Um, Charlotte and I know each other because her husband, Mike, and I served together at New Community Church before I came here. Um, and then we all got to know each other while we were there and served. And so we were all partners in the trenches together. So I'm excited to have you with me today. Thanks for being here. Glad to be here. It's your first time on a podcast, right? Yes. It's a little nerve wracking. It's not bad. It's Just fun. give me a microphone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so let's start with kind of giving everybody some background. Let's talk a little bit about you, who you are, you know, what, what, where you go to church at, that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I've been in ministry, uh, with Mike since we married, um, going on 30 years Wow. in February. Yeah. Um, we are at the fountain church in Lawrenceville. Mm -hmm. Um, been a believer my whole life. Uh, met Mike. We have gone through, uh, children's ministry, middle school ministry, student ministry, high school ministry, um, all the way up through, uh, worship and then uh, lead pastor mm -hmm. where he is uh, now. And um, our church is small, but uh, got a great core population, core family, um, all about the community, mm -hmm. um, all about some diversity, all about inclusion and all about uh, outreach to those neighborhoods in that area around us. And that's actually one of the things I love about the fountain. The times I've gotten to visit is the diversity. You know, people mm. talk about it all the time. It's like it's just a, it's a, a, a melting pot of people in there. It's what heaven will look like. Yeah, exactly. It's heaven on earth. Yep. Yeah. So it's yep. a dream of ours to be in a church like that. Yes. Um, so great, awesome. So let's back up. You said okay, you've been in you you know you're Christian all your life. Where did you go to church as a kid? Mount Carmel Christian Church. Mount Carmel Christian Church. Yes. yes. Um, Country Club of the South. Country Club of the South. <laughs> Indicator. Um, yep. I was a DeKalb County girl. Um, and so Mike comes to work in the school, right? He worked, yes. He was hired in the school at Mount Carmel. He was then volunteering, hoping to get into ministry. He had graduated from Cincinnati Bible College, done an internship in Kentucky for a year, and um, had always wanted to be on staff there at the church. So he taught Bible and PE at the school. Um, actually met my mother first because mm. she was a kindergarten teacher there. Okay. Um, and then he was volunteering with Dan Garrett okay. in uh, student ministry. And so we met because he was kind of also part of that young single group there at the church. And um, that's where we met and really started volunteering 
together in youth ministry. Yeah. Uh, Dan was single. I was single. Mike was single. So often we would take groups of kids places and I would oversee the girls. Mike would oversee the guys and then Dan would plan the trips. Yeah. So the three of us were in ministry together. And you guys like you pretty much done it all. Mm -hmm. Every much. aspect of it. Pretty, pretty much. much. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah the, leading the, the babies and the children um, all the way up through um, obviously been a part of a lot of small groups yeah. and led them never been really uh, overseeing that ministry. But other than that, I mean, he even did like a recreation type ministry at one point. So yeah, we've sort of seen it all. I've been in um, women's ministry and college ministry. I've taught high school uh, ministry and, um, and then of course into missions. So yeah. that's about where I was, I was fired from worship ministry. <laughs> Well, because it was the, it was the pendulum swings in the church and it was when the drama ministry of drama was happening oh, and yeah. every, we were doing skits. So Mike said, you know, maybe it's not your season. Oh, you got fired by your own husband for a praise team. Maybe you should be in drama <laughs> ministry. <laughs> so <laughs> Man. yeah, I, wow. it was harsh. I remind him of that, a lot. <laughs> but drama, I was much more well suited for. So as you can <laughs> I imagine. imagine tell me about your boys you got two you guys have two wonderful two boys, boys grown uh garrett will be 21 in april i know that hurts you that, that's hurt. uh jesse will be 27 in mm. april um so proud of them miss them with me and as babies all the time i really have learned now what it is to have like a mother's heart just grieving constantly for that mm -hmm. time you've lost but the equal amount of love and and just the the pride just a god-given pride of who they are now and the yeah. relationships that we're having now um garrett is in his third year at west georgia go west go wolves yeah. um he's doing um community outdoor health and wellness major rock climbs learn to surf this summer my adventure who knows where he's going to land next yeah um jesse has just i mean stayed the course um, graduated from Johnson University in Knoxville, loved Knoxville, fell in love with the fact that you could be downtown Knoxville on the river, artsy pubs, uh, cool music vibe, 50 minutes you're hiking in the mountains. Yeah. So he moved to Knoxville and he's there working currently full time for a uh, pest control company, which you never know where you're going to land, but it was actually a college um, buddy that referred him to this company. So he's got a great team of people. He works outside with his hands. It's no stress. Yeah. Uh, he gets up early anyway, so he goes to work early, gets off early, and um, he's loving it. Been cool. with the same girl for going on three years now. Oh. Yeah. Possible. Possible. Yeah, sweet. Yes. So <clears throat> let's take you back to young Miss Charla. Um, mm -hmm. And I meant that wow. respectfully. Yes. I didn't mean <laughs> I didn't, I wasn't meaning yes. about it. Take her back. When you were, when, you know, when you were a kid, were you saying to yourself, man, I want to, I want to marry a pastor? Absolutely not. <laughs> Absolutely not. April and I talk about it too, because she says the same thing. Yes. She's like, no, no, I didn't want to do it. Um, no, I grew up in the church and I knew I loved the church and I was, um, uh, I was given an opportunity actually to speak about the church and I ended up turning it down for some schedule conflicts, but I was a child that I never knew anything but being in church. So uh, I love the building. I love the smell. I love the people. I loved everything about it. Um, knew that I believed in Jesus very early, got baptized very early, maybe too early. 
um, went to a Christian school, uh, was kind of inundated with, uh, you know, Bible was a class, just like math was a class mm -hmm. and history was a class and sure. grammar, you know. So um, probably got to where I took it for granted, especially scripture and the disciplines of it, um, and loved so much. I mean, Dan Garrett was my first youth pastor, um, fell in love with the people, the experience, the emotion. Uh, I mean, Mike, we named my son Garrett after Dan. And um, so just because that was a, a, a place that we really partnered for the first time in ministry. But I loved it so much that it was a very, um, I talk about this a lot. It was a horizontal relationship with mm -hmm. me and not so much a vertical, just me and God, because I had so much of a network around me right. that I kind of lost this. Um, so no, I actually, um, I mean, just being transparent, I got married at 20, uh, not a bad situation other than we were both young and didn't have a real history. Um, I was kind of a rebel with a cause mm -hmm. and, um, had gone to college for a couple years and met this guy, nice guy we married and it just was not working. So I was a newly divorced 22 year old, mm -hmm. a little less than two years we were married. And so the only thing I knew was to come back and yeah. be in my church and with all the people that I had grown up with in youth group. And uh, I did talk to Dan at the time. That's why I started in um, working with the youth ministry because he said, you can, at some point God is going to use your story. It, again, no abuse, no unfaithfulness, no sure. alcoholism, just, just young and yeah. jumped and didn't think about landing. Yeah. So I actually met Mike during that time. And I am sure um, being uh, experiencing a lot of therapy and um, counseling along the years, um, which also I'm super transparent about because it's needed. Yeah. Anybody use, can use that anytime. Um, I think I probably saw Mike as this young, uh, very vibrant, very charismatic, um, pastor wanted to be in ministry, youth yeah. ministry, which is where I connected such a joyful time in my life. Sure. Me having been through lots of mistakes, lots of, you know, some sin in my life. I probably viewed it at the, at the beginning of, I can, I can, um, I can jump into this role. Mm. And it's going to be like a, it'll be like a saving grace. Like mm. if I get with Mike, who was so, you know, faithful and had a vision and ministry and wanted to serve the Lord, then that kind of steered me back onto a path with him. Again, yeah. not so much about what I needed, but what I could see this way. Yeah. So, um, no, but I did never intended it. I tried very hard to um, fit the mold for mm -hmm. about five years. I think I fooled Mike into thinking that I was this little Christian, all-American, blonde, fun, smiley cheerleader of a person. And I could walk that pastor's wife yeah. uh, path really, really, uh, really on the straight and narrow. And, and there was parts of me in my personality that after about five years, I mean, I got to be mid to late 20s. We had Jesse when we were 27 and even into my thirties, like you change so much anyway. Right. And in a role like that, um, I mean, I really kind of busted at the seams. So that was our first real, uh, even conflict in marriage and in ministry is because I was doing it for how I thought it needed to look. Mm. 
and I was not being transparent and I was being, uh, it was very superficial. Like I thought if I dressed this way, if I looked this way, if I acted this way, then that's what I needed to be in ministry. And it's, it's, there was no authenticity about it at all. So, um, yeah, into my thirties. And then of course, every decade since, um, I, I've sort of morphed through counseling and therapy and, you know, Mike and I going through some serious conflict. I mean, it, it wasn't like we are, um, soulmates or um, best friends or any of that we just we married probably under the guise of I think I was um, thinking I could sort of be saved right and he was thinking that I was fun and pretty and social and I could work a crowd and that probably was a good partner in ministry at the time and I think we got together into that guys but bottom line is we, we both are believers we both have god and jesus in in common and we both were committed to stick it out so now we're going on 30 years yeah so, so yeah so you're like i didn't i didn't you didn't want to sign up for, for no that. and you know one of the things that april and i talked about and we talked about this early when we were getting first getting married because she felt that same there's a pressure mm-hmm. that is placed and i we used i i feel like um I don't know if I've heard it somewhere or whatever, but it's almost like some churches think they get a two for one special yeah. and they hire someone, you know, yeah. Oh yeah, I'm gonna, we're going to get, we're going to get these two. And, um, and one of the things that, uh, you know, happens is, is you have these wives who maybe, maybe youth ministry isn't their passion, but yet their husband's mm-hmm. a youth minister. So they're going to hang out in the youth ministry or mm-hmm. whatever, you know, and, you know, and so, um, and here you are. I mean, I guess you didn't mind youth ministry too much. No, that was my heart. That you loved at it. The time. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. So you yes. guys were on the same page on there, but did you, did you find that there was an expectation of, I mean, obviously you've mentioned there was an expectation of you to look a certain way or be the yes. pastor's wife. Yeah, I, absolutely. But I also think culturally speaking, uh-huh. and as that pendulum, as I mentioned earlier in ministries, I mean, church culture has changed. Yeah. I mean, let's talk about from 1990. Yeah, you most most churches um, in the South. Yeah, you know, uh, within not even denominationally. I just feel like most churches you did even as a, a women attending, you had to sort of fit a mold. Mm-hmm. And I think, thankfully, as we have grown and morphed and changed along this church culture. Um, it, it really has freed those expectations up and yep. you still walk into those situations. Um, some people come into a church with that expectation, but um, I, I just refused at one point to mm-hmm. like, this is not me and I'm going to be me and I'm going to be authentic. And however God chooses to use that. Um, we did have a therapist once. She was excellent that Mike and I were going through some marriage stuff, as I've mentioned. And um, she did a, the disc personality. Yep. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't remember what represented what, but just our results came back and what she did. And, and maybe other people have done this is that she puts your, your, your results on a grid, mm-hmm. like on a circular thing. So no, you're not going to be just like your partner right. in ministry and in marriage, but this is where you intersect. So Mike and I got our results back and I was like all D and I, and he was all S and C. And again, I'm not sure if that was right. But she said it had never happened where we did not intersect anywhere. Mm-hmm. And so we both were sort of at a loss. Yeah. It was like, what does that mean? And she said, well, um, I think she said something funny, like you probably cringe every time she opens her mouth. And then, and for us, she said, your personality, you probably shouldn't have married a minister 
the way the world and churches view that role sure because of your personality but she said so I, we were like well what do we do with this like what it what was god like once we did this and god creates everything to there's some good that's going to come out of it and she said well together you make the perfect person because <laughs> you're all d all i all s and all c so partnering in ministry um you know we're going to disagree we're going to be different we're going to be opposite yeah but together the two of us kind of come together mm -hmm. and we've always partnered in ministry really well yeah. um and, and it worked more successfully when i was more authentic to who i really am mm -hmm. and um might be in the kind of person he is in commitment to the marriage um finally just had to bless him just say okay this is who we are yeah. and this is how we're going to work together and so um I mean, we, we're, we're really good together in mm -hmm. ministry and the, the pressure you felt to fit in, was it, would you say it was more something you placed upon yourself or were you actually feeling it from people outside Well, well I, or what you thought was their right, expectation? Right. Probably a little bit of both. Um, I know it's what I thought I saw mm -hmm. that I had to be, um, probably not people really putting so much pressure on me is that I think we all look around and if this is what we see, this is what we think we need to be as well. Mm -hmm. So I think again, in that time, you know, in the nineties and yeah. when we were starting out, that's just what people look like. You know, you kind of want to yeah. be that. Yeah. So, um, and so you talked about the horizontal, what, what made that shift for you? Was it the authenticity that helped you get yes. that vertical? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and I, well, right. Because I feel like if we're so consumed with, and again, as women about, comparisons i mean mm. um I, I i've also talked a lot about a door and a and you know a door is on a hinge so if our value is hinged to what we see around us or in ministry what, what is expected or where we think we should serve it's it's hinged on things that don't really matter mm. so to like unhinge yourself know the door is going to fall off, but like to have that freedom from unhinging, mm -hmm. um, sometimes you need to do that in relationships and if, if it's just become such a conflict. Um, so in ministry, if you, if, if women can just sort of unhinge from what they think is, is the, is the norm, yeah. um, that the intrinsic value, um, you know, who God made me to be being really honest, brutally honest with yourself. And then you see, uh, it, it, creates some freedom in that it sort of breaks that yeah that binding or those chains that kind of held you in a certain place mm -hmm. doing a certain thing you kind of get out of that so what were some of those things that helped you was there a an author or was it the therapist what was it that helped you kind of make that transition get that unhinged did you was it a, a bible verse i mean what 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 really helped you kind of from a resource wise or or was it another person um, a couple different things. We had an experience. Uh, we did a, a marriage crisis retreat. Mm -hmm. Mike and I did out at Windshape, out at uh, yeah. Berry College. Yeah. Um, we had had a, a counselor at the time. Mike was actually struggling with some burnout in ministry. And mm -hmm. so the counselor that we came to through that had suggested it. Um, that really helped uh, really digging in deep, mm -hmm. you know, reflecting um, who I am, what I'm about being really honest with that, yeah. um, that helped. Um, so also too, I feel like God uses circumstance. And so 
the more I released what I thought I should be doing, the more he directed my path into where I needed to be. So I remember when Mike was sort of having his burnout, I was sort of spiraling the opposite way Mm -hmm. so that I could for once be strong for him. Yeah. Um, I just remember having a lot of clarity. And so um, as God actually led me into some women's ministry, into some women's studies, um, I really had those kind of Holy Spirit moments where I was given some scriptures that laid the foundation for what I kind of started placing expectations on myself and what I wanted in ministry and how to serve the church. And so I started kind of communicating with that. Um, and I, and I'm telling you that it was like, uh, when I say Holy spirit, it was like God threw a brick. Mm-hmm. I always laugh about, you know, God just sometimes just hit, throws a brick at my head and yeah. I just, am thinking, okay, well, that's what it needs to be. So I was given, um, not ever been super disciplined in scripture, been, yeah. been, uh, like a sponge, like I've been around it my whole life, Yeah, learned absolutely. it, you know, know the stories, that kind of thing. But I was given, I feel like very Holy Spirit uh, directed to um, remain in me and I'll remain in you. Mm-hmm. Um, encourage one another, uh, accept each other as I've accepted you and the Proverbs 31 laugh of the days to come. Yeah. So that was R E A L and that was real. Uh-huh. And so I thought, you know what? I need to be real who, who God meant me, made me to be good, bad, and ugly. Yeah. I need to be real and transparent and authentic because that way other women don't feel alone. Um, so I saw, we actually built a whole women's ministry around that concept was real women. Mm-hmm. And, um, that was really tremendous. That was at, at, at a, another church, a couple churches back. But, <laughs> um, I think that time period, mm-hmm. um, and some, and some, and definitely some scriptures that I was, I feel like God just laid on my heart that mm-hmm. it just, it needed to be. And, and any more, um, through being a mom, through life experiences, I just feel like that vertical, like really, that's all you've got. Yeah. I mean, in the end, that's what it's going to be about. Sure. So I cannot be reliant or codependent or whatever you want to, I can't be dependent on somebody else doing something or expect this from this person or this situation, or even in this church, because I mean, churches are, can fail us every day. I mean, it's, it's, we're human beings, so there's no perfect situation. So you can't be reliant on that. So I'm thinking at the end of the day, it's really just about my heart, you know? Yeah. Um, So that's probably that, if that answers your question. Sure. Yeah. Okay. I like um, well, so you're going through that process of, of, you know, trying to become more of an authentic person at the same mm-hmm. time you're a mom. Mm-hmm. Um, so how did you balance? Like, cause you know, again, there's also the expectations people put on pastors, kids. And, oh yeah. Right. So here you are, you are trying to be authentic and yes. who you are. And at the same time, you've got to be authentic in your parenting mm-hmm. and how the kind of children you raise mm-hmm. and you're, and then again, you have the expectation of, of what pastors, kids are supposed to be like, mm-hmm. or, or whatever. How did you, how did you guys navigate that a little bit, especially with ministry? Cause I mean, what, what was that like for you? Too? And how old is Addison now? She is um, 10. Okay. Yeah. So I'm about, well, 10 fifth grade, we're about to get in middle school. So oh, okay. yeah, it's, um, well, here, here's the thing. I, I, I trust in a, a very mighty to save, powerful, sovereign God and um, laying foundations for kids. Mm-hmm. Pastors' kids are not 
like laying a foundation. They're going to wander. They're going to search. They're going to seek all sorts of stuff. But bottom line, you always come back nine times out of 10 to that foundation. So they didn't, they didn't know anything other than church either. So yeah. they had a similar experience that I did, right. even though my dad wasn't a pastor, right. is I didn't know anything but church. And so my boys never knew anything but church. And, and because Mike and I both actually tried to be authentic mm-hmm. um, in ministry and parenting, I mean, they often saw some good, bad, and ugly. You know, yeah. they, I remember them both saying that, you know, Mike would be up setting up chairs and call them to come help him set up chairs at, 10 o'clock at night because you don't have enough volunteers, you know, right. so they saw that part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, they've also seen the blessings and provisions of it. Um, that they've, I'm sure they felt pressure because everybody knows who they are. Right. Um, but we just encouraged them to be themselves. Sure. Um, and, and so whatever that meant, you know, Jesse was always more serious, more of an introvert, but so steadfast. And, um, so, um, unconditionally loving of his friends, no matter what mistakes they were making. Garrett was more like the little entertainer that everybody knew and he was funny and um, more of an extrovert. And so I, I just, I never wanted them to think they had to be something they weren't because I think I felt like I needed to be something that I wasn't for a long time. And what I even tell them now as adults is like, learn it soon, like learn it sooner than later. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, yeah. So you were, so when you got, when you started, you know, you got to that point, you were more of like, hey, I've learned this lesson. I don't want, I don't want you to repeat it. Yes. Yeah. You know, repeat that mm-hmm. same need to necessarily always fit into the stereotypical, what people expect and be right. who you've been created to be. Right. right? Yeah. Um, so, okay. So real, real women. So as you guys are walking through that, I mean, how have you seen that kind of authenticity affect other women? Like yes. what are some of the things you've seen and mm-hmm. from a, you know, how has God used that? Well, or... I think, I think God, that's what he wants from us. Mm-hmm. And I think he uses it with women in ministry and leadership roles um, on the, the, your local church. Then you spread out into your community. Um, we've seen it, you know, very kingdom minded. And of course, like uh, even, you know, within missions and internationally minded is that, if you are being authentic and you are, are seeking um, to let God use who you truly are. Um, again, I'm, I'm, I'm terrible with like disciplines. And so, um, you know, God proves himself over and over again. So every time I open scripture, it speaks to me and I'm thinking, why am I not in this every single day? Like, you yeah. know, you, you know, yeah. But I do believe that he impresses upon us um, ways to um, connect. And so I think that is the, the piece that maybe some groups or maybe women are missing is that um, you've got to, you, that relationship. I mean, what does he say in scripture? Uh, number one is you, you love God and you love right. your neighbor. So. The, the main message of all of scripture, of the gospel, of why Jesus did what he did, was to love. And so you have to be present to love. You have to be um, connected to love. You have to touch to love. You have to serve and help to love. You have to come alongside people. So in ministry, um, whether a woman is just a, a person that comes to the church, she wants to get involved in serving somewhere, or if it's a, some, if it's a woman in a leadership role, that same philosophy 
works in a church. Mm. It works with unbelievers. It works in your community. It, it's a kingdom-minded belief. Yeah. Um, with somebody that believes completely opposite you, uh, someone who's not churched, someone who um, doesn't have the same faith, doesn't have a belief in God, um, as a woman, mm-hmm. um, if you just come alongside somebody and you say, hey, this is this is how we're alike. Yeah. This is how, you know, God created us to be in relationship um, with other other women and other people. I think that's the piece that's going to it's going to work in that ministry and in that leadership role from yeah. little, you know, small in your own home outward. So. Yeah. So, you know, women and it, I, it's probably true for men, too. But I think for women, especially to have that person who's willing to be like, I'm with you in this. Right. I'm, we're partners. I'm coming alongside of you. Um, and especially in a world probably where and I, you, you can tell me, but I, there's so much pressure put on women um, for different things. And I think I feel like a lot of women constantly feel judged by something. They, they, they feel like I agree, you know, yes. and it's all it's unfair. Yes. It's and uh, it's know, something that's specific to women and not yeah, men. Yeah. Um, well, and I think men feel it other ways, but I think it's in it's in different ways. Um, and here's what I've always said is um, if I, I remember going to the very first women of faith, mm. uh, I think it was in Lakeland, Florida. Yeah. I'm not mistaken. A million We're years gonna ago. We're going to fact check it. No, no, no. Yeah. A million, <laughs> a million years ago. And I remember hearing um, Patsy Claremont and Lucy Swindle. And um, I mean, it was just this group of women that were getting up in front of thousands of women my puzzle that fell into place is having that experience and watching these women speak. And I remember after that conference, I got up and I went up to the plexiglass, you know, this beautiful stage. And I went up and stood there and I thought, if I get a chance, maybe not on the stage like that, even one-on-one having coffee with yeah. somebody to say, this is where I'm broken. This is where I've struggled. This is where I have screwed up so badly. Yeah then that person who ha- feels that judgment from the world or feels that uh, pressure to be or make their story look like it really isn't, you know, make it not look authentic. If I'm bold enough and brave enough mm-hmm. to say, this is where I've screwed up. This is where I am ridiculously human and in flesh. Yeah. But this is the grace and mercy of God that's come into those places and changed it. Yeah. Then they are willing to not only look inside themselves, but to share it with you. And then there's two people that are not alone. Mm-hmm. So, you know, back to the old commercial and they told two people and they told two people again, I'm dating myself. That was probably, in the, <laughs> that was probably in the seventies, but with women, with the way we communicate, with the way we feel, with the way we are um, built, I mean, just our makeup that God designed it. We are not supposed to live under that pressure and judgment mm-hmm. and, and thinking we're, we're supposed to look a certain way or yeah. act a certain way. Yeah. So I just feel like if more of us were just brutally honest and, and transparent about who we are and, and you know, that then you go back to those scriptures. Then, you know, you're remaining in, in, in him and in his scripture because he's designed us to be a certain way. We're encouraging other people. We're accepting each other because God knows Jesus accepted me. Mm-hmm as ugly as I can be. And then if we're just, if we're together in that and we're not alone, then God can, I mean, life can throw anything at you. Right. And then God has just given us a sense of sovereignty in um, knowing that he's in control and we can laugh at whatever happens. And because that's great. You, that model, that, that belief system 
it it doesn't happen if you're just in it by yourself. Yeah. It works when it's with other people. Sure. So I just feel like with women, the more we speak, the more we are open, um, the more we connect, the more we find those relationships, mm. the more we're present with people, um, whether it be volunteer ministry, serving, leadership, paid ministry, whatever it is, uh, international, local, that that's, that's what makes it work. Mm -hmm. So, you know, one of the, I guess, because again, one of the things I want to do with this series is I want to talk about the, 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 the impact that women can have in ministry, because I feel like that's, that's important. Like we need to, yes. a lot of churches, um, miss that piece, miss that piece. They mm -hmm. miss the value that women play mm -hmm. other than just to take care of the children, you know, yes. I, I don't want to, you know, be no, nice you're about right. it, but well, and, and don't you see culturally speaking it's changed it is it's changing. changing yeah um but you know what was it and you've been in ministry long enough that the emphasis was always placed on children's ministry mm -hmm. because they if the children were happy the family would follow right and i have told uh elders and leadership uh, time and time again if mama is not happy mm -hmm. the family's not coming yeah um and i know there are women that are there without husbands that drag their kids and you know are seeking that um, kind of fellowship and that kind of um, feeding uh, to fill spirits every week. I know they're coming to church for that, but you know what? They've got to feel loved mm. and they've got to feel accepted. So if it's a single mom coming with kids, um, if it's a family coming, I'm telling you, if that woman feels judged, feels pressure, then, I mean, the kids can be happy as, as all get out. Yeah. But I feel like that is something that has been missed. Mm -hmm. And that probably now is, is getting, we're seeing that need be more, um, met, mm -hmm. um, through, because I feel like it's, it's women. Um, I mean, I don't want to go, I mean, I've been in a million church situations and in paid ministry where you're dependent upon that paycheck coming through church and people attending and you turn it into a job and a business. And while it is that for, for paid pastors and their wives, um, mm -hmm. I, I want it to be a place where I can be filled too, mm. you know, even yeah. though my husband's on staff or, lead, right. or the senior pastor. So, you know, I'm seeking that same thing. So if you put yourself in women that are in the community or in the neighborhoods around you, mm. if they're coming to church, I don't want to go. I mean, I've been in places where I go and I feel judged or I feel that pressure, yeah. whether I've self-inflicted or not. Well, they're not going to want to feel that either. And you're, and if it's self-inflicted for them, you want to break through that somehow. Yeah. And again, make them feel not alone. How did you guys navigate the boundaries of that between, okay, this is, uh, this is maybe stepping back a little bit, but you, what you said, maybe think of it, those boundaries between, okay, this, um, family and, and church, because sometimes they become so intertwined. This is something that I've been thinking a lot about lately is how they get so intertwined and going, man, our whole life is wrapped around, this, which is not necessarily evil or bad per se, but it's like our, our this is all our life is. You mean you in April? Well, and, in and ministry. family too. Yeah. I mean, just a family that comes to church. Yeah. I mean, that there's a boundary I think you have to, that all oh, ministers absolutely. struggle with of, okay, oh, we're going to have family time. We're going to have ministry time. Yes. You know, but it all is, is hit back to the door. Yeah. It's all hinged on that body of believers that are just flesh and blood yeah. and, and paying you every week. Right. Or, it's, it's based on a, a family coming in. Um, well, and I think that's why people just church hop a lot because yeah. they're looking for something. Um, and they have, we in paid ministry 
um, are a little bit more um, restricted because you're you're hinged to the body of believers that's paying you right to so you're able to pay your house note sure which that's a blurred that gets very blurred oh yeah um, a lot um, if you're a family coming in there you're you're not really hinged to that because of a paycheck but you're hinged to that because of expectation and needs that you have mm -hmm. so but they have the freedom to jump yeah churches um, and again I think it's sad that the culture is becoming despite we're not built for being alone the culture is becoming more um, solitude and more singular and you know you you stay just within your own family or your own life or your you know the garage door comes down in your neighborhoods mm -hmm. and there's not as much everybody's online or on their phone like that's their worldview and so if, if we're becoming more of that in a culture um, I think Mike did a, a little bit of a study or a read up on a family that is your most um, active family they serve they tithe um, they're still only there two Sundays a month Mm -hmm. And that's kind of a sad state of affairs, yeah. especially for families that are like us that are dependent on oh, yeah. a church for a paycheck. But the church culture is moving away from from that idea of you're going to get a need met if you go to church. Mm -hmm. So um, but as far as boundaries go, I don't think it's healthy for and I don't mean church, the body of Christ. I mean, that local church. I don't think it's healthy for that to all consume a family, whether you're on paid staff or you're that volunteer that has to be involved in everything. And it's taking yeah. up every bit of your time. Like, I do feel like, um, I feel like we confuse the church building, mm, the brick and mortar yep. and the people that are just flesh and flawed. We're all that way inside those, that walls, mm -hmm. uh, those walls we confuse that with the fact that the church was meant to be the, the, you know, the bride of Christ and the body of Christ. And, um, so I feel like somehow those two ideas of church, mm -hmm. you know, needs to meld together, but you don't, you feel like, I mean, I remember back in ministry when, you know, we've had some times where my admittedly was, was a workaholic and church, the church came above priorities of me or family, you know, yeah. um, because it, you blur that line. Like for him, he was like, well, I've got to be here 24 seven because it's, 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 it's the church, the church, right. Biblically, yeah. scripturally speaking, the yeah. church. Um, and I, I just feel like you still have to look at it as people in, in a wall and a roof and a floor that you've got to, you've got to separate it somehow. That's, that's hard though. Um, I think it's hard for, for families who are just super active in a church and it's hard for, for ministers, families and pastors, families who are sort of tied um, in because it's also their livelihood. Yeah. Um, it, it's a hard, um, I, I don't really know where the answer is, except that it's an individual. Yeah. You got to every person's got to kind of find what that right. Cause it, you'd want God to consume your life, but right. you don't want the human side of church to consume, yeah. to consume your life. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he is an all consuming fire, but the church shouldn't be what consumes your life, <laughs> yeah, you yeah. know? So, so speaking to those people, maybe who, you know, we're talking about just regular attenders, mm -hmm. you know, or, or just people in the church. First off from a, to, to what advice can you give them? or on that front, like, what are some things you might, we might want to say to them 
listen, from a pastor's wife to other people, mm -hmm. here's a way that you can help us by mm. maybe being mindful of the fact that sometimes my husband's going to say no, or our family's mm -hmm. going to have to be say no, mm -hmm. or, or obviously you want them to pray for you and you want them to be encouraging. Right. But sometimes I think sometimes our churches unknowingly probably put pressure on us. And some of it is our own and we inflict it on right, ourselves. Right. And, and some of it, I do think our church sort of, maybe they unexpectedly, but they're putting it on us. What are some tips or some things we could say to them to be like, you know what, you could help us by maybe understanding we're going to say no more or I don't, I don't know right. what, you know, you know what I'm asking? Yeah, I do. It's kind um, of a hard thing to No, it's, it's fine because I've been through, I've been through, I, I've made the right and left turn on opposite extremes being there 24 seven. Then I resent it and then not being there at all. And then you break relationship with people and that's not what we're called to do. Right. Um, especially with my philosophy of women in the church. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I've done both things and I think, Rather than saying to your families and your women in the church, this is what you can do or this is what you can be aware of. I think the more we are transparent about where we are. Oh, yeah. Then, I mean, nobody's, I should say, I don't think, maybe I just blast half full. Nobody's coming in the door looking to tear down. Sure. I think if they yeah. come in the doors of a church, you're going to, you're, you're there for a, a fairly, good, positive, uplifting something. Right. Um, so I think the more real and transparent we can be, then that's going to be understood. And when all else fails, you communicate that. Yeah. So I, I don't want to say this is advice I can give to those people in the congregation and families that are coming to church and women that are coming to church. I, I want to say it's, it's my responsibility mm -hmm. to, to communicate the needs that I have yeah. okay. and seek out relationship from them. Mm -hmm. And then it's more organic and, and real as mm -hmm. it happens, rather than them saying, you know, me saying, well, what you really can do is blah, 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 blah. Oh, you know, right. that's yeah, not, no, yeah. You know, absolutely. so um, I know that with women that I've been around in ministry since I sort of had that um, epiphany with, I'm going to be who I am. And it's, you know, God has used it and, and, and we've, I've, um, he's sharpened it and he's said, no, you're going to, you know, if I, I, you know, you're, you're self-aware, like you're going too far the other way. Like I call it caving. Like uh -huh. if I go too bit back, back in the cave and I let that resentment or whatever exhaustion or, you know, seeing my husband under strain or stress, if I let that push me all the way back in the cave, yeah. well then I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. So I feel like as I've navigated that path, I've been around women who maybe are responding to the fact that I'm being real with them. Mm. So they have naturally given me space yeah. or they have naturally loved on me. Or I, I mean, I was desperate after my boys went to college. I mean, I was a wreck both times in different ways for different reasons, <laughs> but you know, I had a dear, but I wasn't like, I wasn't trying to put on a brave face. Yeah. I mean, I was broken and I, and I mean, I, I've been honest about therapy and, medication and depression and anxiety. And so, you know, nobody around me in the church doesn't, I'm going to not use it. I'm not going to say it grammatically correct. They always know what I'm going through because I'm kind of putting it out there. 
Gotcha. And so like she made me these little uh, cookies that I love that she makes. And so she made them and I think I had half of them <laughs> before I got home. So she kind of just knew, mm -hmm. you know, um, I just went on a retreat last year with the women in our church and I stood up before them and I said, look, I've had a time these last several months where I was kind of in system shutdown for my own reasons. Yeah. But I promise you, like, I've got a good friend that says, sometimes you just need to do better. And, mm -hmm. and I knew that it, you know, God used her in my life to kind of prick my conscience and kind of shift my heart. So I said in front of those women, like, I know I've not been around, but I'm going to do better, yeah. you know, and they have been, they're so gracious because I'm putting it out there. Mm -hmm. So I don't know that I can say to them, this is what we need. I think I could say to, to paid church staff and pastor's wives, be you, be real. Yeah. You know, definitely don't be something that those women are going to find another uh, piece of judgment or pressure. You know, like don't be something that's going to place more on that woman coming into church because, yeah. as you said, they face that everywhere. Yeah. So I don't want to be a part of the problem. Yeah. I want to be a part of making that woman feel not alone and saying, hey, I feel the same way. Yeah. You, do, so. you know, it's, it's interesting that that reversal, uh, as you're talking about it, I'm thinking about it because it's like, there's this sick sort of almost cycle that, that happens where pastor's wives feel a need to fulfill a particular look and role. Mm -hmm. And then that puts pressure on the ladies who already feel judged and go, well, yes. now I got to be this way. Yes. And, and that actually becomes a really sick, sick cycle because yes. now there's this kind of, this person's making them feel like they should be this way. And this person's making and them feel that way. And how are you going to reach them in ministry if right. you're the one putting pressure on them? Right. You know. And so really the best thing to do to break that cycle is to break down the wall, the barrier and, exactly. and be, be afraid because again, there's, and especially in a, in a hyper social media world where now, I mean, we can see into the lives of people we've never been able to see into the life. Right. I mean, actresses and actors all the time, 24 right. hours a day, we can see them in their kitchens. Um, and you know, and with the filters, it's so vital. Authenticity seems to be the thing that is most needed now more than any, yes. because we live in such a perfected plastic world, mm -hmm. especially even when our, when the quote unquote heroes, the people that pe people look to are showing you behind the scenes of their world. And right. sometimes it's perfectly staged. And right. so that adds that pressure. And so for us as in the church who are, let's face it, the church is is always filled with broken people. Mm -hmm. That's what it's about. Yes. You know, it's, it, I always say it's rehab for self addiction. Like yes. we're just all a bunch of yes. people in rehab needing to be repaired. Yes, and that includes the pastor's wife. That right. includes the women on staff. Mm -hmm. All of us. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we men included, but you know, especially our ladies, they can help by just being them. Break yes. down the wall, be them, and that lets those people. Um, who, you know, out there feel that, you know, they can, they can take down their wall, right? Mm -hmm. It's that reciprocal thing. Mm -hmm. Now, here's the hard, harder question. How do you deal with a person who wants, or how have you found, okay, here you are being authentic, authentic, mm -hmm. but it's not the kind of authenticity that person wants, mm -hmm. you know, you know what I'm saying? No matter what, they don't like it if their pastor's wife does that mm -hmm. or doesn't do that. You know, and I mean, it's yeah. easy to say, uh, write them off and say, well, forget it. But mm -hmm. again, we're supposed to be loving and gracious and merciful. Mm -hmm. But that can that can be frustrating. Right. That's that balance. It is. And I feel like I mean, I've experienced that. I mean, I'm a person that I'm like, what? You, you don't like me. How can you not like me? <laughs> <laughs> little little only child prideful. You know? I'm <laughs> that, so adorable. Why I'm just you know? <laughs> why I'm so funny. And, you know, um, 
I think you need, I think when that happens, it's a reality check. Mm. And I think God can use anything. So sometimes you are being who you are and it's just not matching up with what they want. And sometimes you just have to realize that that's just, you know, every church is there's churches, there are different churches because we are different types of people. And so while me as a a lead pastor's wife, I mean, I want a ton of people in our church and Mike to be assured of a paycheck next month. Yeah, sure. But I have to, I have to face reality that every church is not for everybody. Mm -hmm. So every personality is not for everybody. Um, So, uh, I mean, I've had people in churches that I just got a sense that they were like, I was like, oh, I am a lot to take or I'm not exactly what they thought. Um, I have worn people down in those situations (laughs) before. Um, I've had instant connections because of that before. Mm -hmm. God has used it. I I remember I, uh, when we went to, it was actually New Community. And because I had done real women's ministry prior, I thought, well, that's what I'm going to do at New Community. And so um, it was in another county, women I didn't know. I led the first women's Bible study. A ton of people were there. And um, afterwards, usually I get like just, you know, oh my gosh, you were so great. And yeah. Oh my gosh, it was so great. And and I remember these women were leaving and not really giving me that, the stroke and the right. pat on the back that I expected. And I was like, well, this is what I'm passionate about. This is what I'm called to. Why am I not, you know, these, you know, and I remember a good friend of mine that I bonded with immediately at the church. I finally looked at her and I said, was, was that okay? And she even said, she went, it's fine. <laughs> but that's what led me to teaching in the high school. Right. Because at that time of my life, I mean, yeah. you know, your seasons and we yeah. joke about being fired and not that I was fired from women's ministry, but that was a time in my life that God used. I was just not everybody's cup of tea, but he shifted me to where I then got to spend Wednesday nights teaching the middle and high school. And I, that was, and you, you know, if you, if you're in tune with how you're feeling in the moment and women are all about emotions and how we feel. So I was feeling kind of uh, uh, mm, mm, that night doing the women thinking I was doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. A couple. And I remember coming home and I'm like, I don't think they like me. And I think it was pre you and April yeah. coming. I just was like, and then of course, April and I connected on so many levels yeah. that being similar. And, but I, I just remember thinking, Oh, that, that, that wasn't, that didn't, that didn't feel right. And then a couple weeks later, the youth needed somebody to fill in last minute on a Wednesday night. So I got a lesson and when I stood up in front of those kids, I felt home. Mm-hmm. I felt right. It felt peaceful. And I think that's how God speaks to you and how he moves you. So um, sometimes he uses that, that icky, that's, I'm not really that person's idea of what they are wanting or looking for. Sometimes that shifts you into where you really need to be. Hmm. Um, so we could sit here all day and I, I know, I know we got stuff, but, um, and I've enjoyed our time, so I, I don't want to feel like I'm rushing, but, no, you're fine. um, I guess one of the things that I always like to do, I mean, one of the questions I think is interesting, um, and I've been asking people because obviously 2020 quarantine, mm-hmm. you know, um, we spent a bunch of time, <laughs> um, in our homes, you know, or mm-hmm. we, or, or our normal life was disrupted. And so one of the questions I've asked periodically of people, and I'm, and I feel like this is the right question to ask right now is okay. 
what is something that you feel like God has really been teaching you through quarantine or through this period, through 2020, when, when things have been up in the air? Um, what, what, I mean, what, you know what I'm saying? He's, a, he's teaching me that I have a huge issue with Netflix. <laughs> really, I'm, you're super bad. You're, you're addicted. Like uh-huh. every time Mike talks about anything like, oh, we need to give up and, you know, God's showing you. I'm just like, blah, 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 blah. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. Because I'm like, Mike, you would spend a lot more money in therapy and my medication. And I would go like really off the wall. I mean, Netflix is keeping you're you're eleven ninety nine or whatever it is a month is keeping me sane. Um, yeah. So, um, I don't know. I think we've had, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a person who will, will escape and, um, that's how I cope. Uh, we'll escape with a book or TV or a movie or I'll sleep. Um, so we've had a lot of time on our hands. I mean, yeah. you know, I, I was in a shutdown from work. I only could go in once a week for three months. Then now even still we're on like an every other sh- uh, shift of, like a skeleton crew, you know, you work Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Tuesday, Thursday from home, et cetera. So um, I think maybe um, just the, I think, I think probably maybe two or three things I could say is one um, relationships are super important. I've been having a grocery shop for my parents once a week. So I'm actually seeing them more during the pandemic than yeah. I was before because we would get so caught up in schedule and busy. Sure. Um, and I've, I've really been taught to enjoy that time. Mm. So enjoy the time you get like with our little, you know, work crew. Like I'm just, I mean, the inevitable is the inevitable. You can't change it. So you really enjoy that time with people. Um, and then really, I think the biggest thing is that Again, you can't escape the inevitable. So when I, I wake up from a nap or I turn off Netflix or I put down the book, um, really bottom line in my heart and spirit, God is sovereign mm-hmm. and he's in control. Um, politically speaking, um, this the virus speaking, um, how people are reacting to it, everybody's opinions. I mean, it's insane. Um, some people would say, you know, oh, you're, you're, you're putting your head in the sand or you're putting your head under your pillow or you're covering up with a blanket. But really it's not that. Um, I just know that in the end, no matter how you could be a person that researches and reads every article and watches every news and and does everything that they feel like to learn and educate. Yeah. And I'm kind of like, well, why waste your time doing all that? Because in the end, God is in control yeah. and God is sovereign. Sure. And so there is not a dadgum thing that I can do to change it. Right. So that gives you, that gives a believer a sense of contentment, uh, peace yeah. that just is like, well, whatever comes, comes. Yep. So, so uh, I had to redo the sound. Sorry. Um, he, I guess here's my final question for you. And then, and then I, I'll let you go. What is, what, I mean, if you just were sitting across the table from another lady, mm-hmm. you guys are just kind of talking and meeting mm-hmm. and um, what, what is that thing that you would be like, I, I just really want you to know, or I really need you to understand whatever it is. I mean, maybe it's about God, maybe it's about their relationship with their spouse or whatever. Just mm-hmm. what is that thing that, you know, again, you're sitting across from the table, with someone having coffee and, and mm-hmm. you just 
my heart's for you. I want you to know this. What mm -hmm. is that? What would you say that would be? You're not alone. Mm. Um, I mean, obviously God is always present, but I'm here mm. and it's okay. And I know the phrase you are enough is used a lot today in all different, uh, different areas of life, but you are enough mm. and you are worthy and you are valuable because God created you and Jesus died for you. And so bottom line amidst all the crazy in the world, bottom line against whatever you come against, um, whatever opposition conflicts in your life, brokenness is in your life, addictions in your life, dark is in your life. There's, you know, there's a lot of that and a lot of yuck, um, that you're, you're, you're worthy and you're valuable and you're enough and that you're loved and that you'll never, ever, ever, ever be alone, mm -hmm. no matter where you are, yeah. um, in your journey. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for spending a few moments with time. I could, we could sit here for another couple hours and go, cause I know there's a million other questions I could probably come up with, but I appreciate you taking your time to hang out with me. It was really, really awesome. Really thanks. Fun. Thanks for spending, uh, talking and answering some questions. Um, and I appreciate you guys. So, uh, real quickly, the fountain church the in Lawrenceville. Yeah. Uh, we'll be adding you guys to our prayer list. Are you guys meeting yes. in person again? We are. We are meeting on Sundays. Um, we are meeting midweek. Um, we also are on Facebook um, on Sunday mornings. We, you can join our service at 11 o'clock on our Facebook page. Um, in person, we are, we are taking every precaution um, yeah. from somebody opens the door for you, for masks, for temperature check, um, for social distancing and seating. Um, so, so far that's really been, Good. um, that's really worked. And yeah. so that's what we're doing. Cool. Okay. Well, awesome. Well, thanks for joining me. It was awesome. Yeah. Thanks. I appreciate it. Thanks A for lot. asking. Yeah. Hey, I want to thank you again for joining me this week. I want to thank you for spending uh, a little bit of time with us. Um, I also want to thank Miss Charlie McGuire for spending uh, an hour or so with us talking about the power and importance of authenticity and the ability to be real, especially for women. I thank you for her just helping us really, again, highlight the importance and power that women play in the ministry and, and in our churches. Um, and uh, if you enjoyed this conversation and conversations like it, please make sure that you're hitting the subscribe button so that you can stay up to date, whether you're listening on Apple podcast or Gally or the uh, Google podcast or wherever you are listening right now, please hit the subscribe button, follow us, make sure that you are up to date on everything we're doing. As always, you can go to galley.org to find out everything about Galley. And I hope to see you or hear from you. You hear from me, I guess is actually what I want to say next week. All right. Bye.